0: Hello, and welcome back to Thirsty,
1: the podcast. I'm Laura Koo. And I'm Heather McGee. Today we're asking, how can you thrive in your career and as a single parent at the same time? Well, today we're talking about careers parenting, how do we make it all work together? You know, um, having a a career that you really care about along with being a parent and wanting to really succeed in that area, that can get really complicated at times. First of all, though, I do want to hit on this, you know, as part of our question, how can you thrive in your career and as a single parent at the same time? Uh, Laura and I have talked about this a little bit that we kind of are uncomfortable calling ourselves single parents. you know, for the most part, we call ourselves divorced parents because we have co-parents. We're not, we are, um, I think there is a a difference between someone who's a hundred percent on all the time and people Mm -hmm. that where there's a back and forth. For
0: sure. I feel like being able to have that balance is far different than someone who is managing the kids logistics and all of that stuff full time.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and today we're talking about succeeding in our careers and as parents because, you know, all well, that's tough for any household. It doesn't matter; that's always going to be difficult, and no matter what your situation is. It can get a little extra complicated if you are a divorced or a single parent, and so that's why we want to talk about this today. And the inspiration for this is something uh, I would imagine most of you have heard about. So Serena Williams announced she's retiring she's retiring from tennis. Um, and she clearly has a lot of emotions about it. It hit a nerve. If you're in a mom group on Facebook, you probably posted it (laughs) and talked about it. I mean, Serena, I mean, please, I mean, we're, we're I have very little in common with her because she's, you know, one of the best, most successful athletes in the history of the world. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that she's sharing something that's pretty relatable to a lot of, um, a lot of moms, you know, seeing your career that you really care about and having to make some decisions about family and things you care about and and feeling like you can't do it all and, and moving to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of one of her quotes from this is the fact that if she were a man, her spouse would be at home growing the family while, you know, they'd be out growing this career and she's had to, you know, make that tough choice. And yeah, I agree. Like that's one of the toughest choices that women have to face
1: um, if they want to have children and kind of choosing between your career and your family sometimes. Yeah, she. um, so if you want to read it, she wrote uh, an op-ed that is in vogue uh, currently that you can take a look at, but I'm going to read a quote from that that really, I know for me, resonated. Serena says, I'm going to be honest. There is no happiness in this topic for me. I know it's not the usual thing to say, but I feel a great deal of pain. It's the hardest thing that I could ever imagine. I hate it. I hate that I have to be at this crossroads. I keep saying to myself, I wish it could be easy for me, but it's not. I'm torn. I don't want it to be over, but at the same time, I'm ready for what's next. In that, somehow, Serena shared something that just, it feels so relatable to normal women like (laughs) ourselves, you know, every day is full of making choices about what we want. Letting go of things, you know, deciding what's important, what's next. And sometimes that means leaving something you really care about behind. What mm-hmm. did that quote bring up for you, Laura?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting for her in particular, because that's such a final decision, like as an athlete, like there's no going back. There's no like, you know, that, that window for someone like her is, is absolutely that it's a, it's just a window in time where you can compete at that level. So that's a, an immense significant choice to make that you cannot go back on. Um, clearly doesn't relate to, to my life in that way, but I, you know, this is something that I thought about, um, the entire time that I, you know, the 10 years now that I've had kids because I, would contemplate all the time. If I could take a break, if I could stay at home, could I, could I leave and then go back? And I was always too scared to do that because I really felt like if I took a step back, it would be so hard to get back to where I wanted to be. Besides the fact that I love working, I love my career, but it's, it's really scary to make that change. And I was never brave enough to even attempt it because I was worried
1: about what would be on the other side. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's scary. Like I think part of it, too, is women fight so hard to get paid equally, to, you know, get promoted at the same or similar rates as, you know, some of their other counterparts. I know for me, like, I felt like, am I like not a feminist if I'm not going this as hard as I can? Mm -hmm. Like, am I betraying other, you know, non-cis men by taking a step back or for looking for something that has more work-life balance? I mean, I do remember there was a period of time, so I've always had jobs that were pretty intense. Um, I worked in entertainment and in, in television for a while, which that's 24 seven. And I think I only had one boyfriend like in <laughs> 11 years of working there because it's just so hard. It's So hard. Um, and the person I ended up marrying, actually, we worked together like, and that was normal there. Like romances struck up because those are the only people you met, mm-hmm. people you worked with because we just basically lived there. But I, I, I remember that like I, I got what I thought was my dream job. And in terms of status, in terms of what the world says, it, it was a dream job. I was paid really well. Status, great. What I did, I felt like it mattered in the world. You know, my work, actually, I could see the impact of it. Um, I loved my colleagues. But it also had a major factor in ruining my marriage. It was so stressful. I was doing the job with three people, literally, because we were down that many people in our department. And I did it for three years. It was so, 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 um, it came at a major cost, came at a cost as a mom. I wasn't happy, which is so funny. Your dream job, you wouldn't, you know, somehow, and I think this happens to a lot of people, that your dream job ends up ruining your life to a degree.
0: Well, it's so hard, though, from when you're younger, where work is all that, you, you can just focus on it fully if that's what you want to do. And it's hard being a parent and being, again, whether you're a single parent, divorced parent, or living with a partner whatever, to not be able to focus fully on your career. And it's it's really challenging and having to, to make those choices and decline meetings and leave early to pick up and all that stuff is really, really hard.
1: Yeah. It, um... Yeah, I, I really actually had a lot of feels, you know, reading Serena's article. Cause even though she's, you know, has lived a very different life than the rest of us, cause she's just so incredible. But I felt some of the same emotions. Like I, I, I felt it, like those things about where you really have to give up things you really care about. Um, because you make, you make choices. We all make choices about what matters to us and what's right and what's the next step. And not hang- something I thought was interesting, the idea of letting go of something you really care about because you know it's the right decision. Like, Your love for it doesn't, it it doesn't mean you don't care about it, but maybe it's time to let it go for Mm -hmm. one reason or another. I just thought that was interesting. Okay. So one thing that is interesting for a lot of us here who maybe, you know, I know it's definitely true for Laura and I and the demographics in our analytics say many of you out there. Um, you know, when you're older, your career tends to be of the mid to senior variety. So most of the time you're not you know, your job is probably pretty intense. you know, it's probably fairly demanding. You know, how do you feel about where you settled with your career, Laura? Because I know you really are passionate about what you do every day.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love I love what I do. I work for an organization that's very, um, family friendly work-life balance, which was wonderful for me when, um, I was getting my divorce because again, dropping into a, a life where my schedule and availability was shifting and I didn't have someone to rely on or trade schedules with or all the things that I had before I got divorced. It was really nice to know that I had, um, you know, good support to, to manage all of those life changes. Um, but you know, during the pandemic that really like impacted a lot of things for me, as I think it did for, you know, many parents and it was really hard to maintain focus, maintain interest in a job that I love because I was trying to manage three kids at home doing e-learning. And I really had to like push just a a lot of things off onto my team. And I have a great team who really helped carry me through that year because there was no way I could take on more or do more in a way that I had before. So it's like being a parent is one thing, being a parent working during a pandemic is a whole other ball game. And it, it, was probably the hardest point for me from a career perspective. Cause I am that person who's like, I love my job so much and it's amazing. And it makes me so happy. And I really couldn't focus or manage through it because there just wasn't enough time. Um, So that was, yeah, that was a struggle point. But also when you are at that kind of level of your career, you usually do have a team under you and you can kind of, you know, deflect a little bit more if you need to. And I'm grateful for that opportunity that I had a team that carried me through during um, challenging scheduling times um, but then on the flip side, I joke that I survived e-learning during the pandemic by co-parenting because the other side of it was half of the week, my kids were at their their dad's house and those were my days to dig in and get my work done and have a quiet home and all of that. I think that is the only way I survived my sanity during um, that really tough year of the pandemic, but I don't know. I I'm that I'm that person who loves what they do and I'm super happy and can talk about my job all day long. And I'm again grateful to be in a place where my kids get to see that joy as well because I think that's so valuable that they really do see that I enjoy my work and I want to talk about it and I'm happy about it and all those things which I think are is really valuable for kids to, you know, start to understand as they get a little bit older.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, for me I've ended up, you know, the job that kind of ruined my my dream job that ruined my life. I moved on from that position. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a really, um, really happy where I'm at now. It's really healthy. It doesn't take over my life. It's not emotionally taxing. I'm a better mom because of it. And I, I think I've done a lot of reflecting and I think maybe I've got a new dream job, you know, and it wasn't, you know, sometimes you think, you know, and then you, life teaches you another way. Um, so that's been a really good lesson for me to learn. You're making me think about though, because I was getting a divorce during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and for five, six months of it, I was at home at my old home, and so it was a very stressful environment <laughs> to being at home with my ex, and our we're in the middle of navigating, you know, initiating a divorce and e-learning, and wow, that was a lot. But you know what the big lesson I took coming out of that. The pandemic made it so that we can't fake it anymore. Like you had to be authentic. And honestly, that person that was like perfect on Zoom and their kids weren't crashing the Zoom. Like, I will tell you Spider-Man and Spider-Girl from my house, crashed more (laughs) Zoom meetings than because I lived in an old house that didn't have locks on the door. So I was constantly having to get my kids to leave the room. My my kids were just
0: picking the (laughs) locks. So it didn't matter if the door was locked. People, the children were entering my bedroom and hopping on my calls with me. So it doesn't matter. They find a way in.
1: Well, I mean, it just like, I think it was a really good, I mean, there's nothing good about what has happened in the world over the last few years, but there were a lot of lessons. And I think for me, the big thing is, I I can't even pretend to be perfect. I can't even pretend that everything is just all smooth sailing over here because it's not, you know, my kids are busting in. I'm managing all kinds of things. They need to eat. I don't have any help. I have, you know, all these things. It really kind of busted me open in a way that I I, I suspect was the case for a lot of different people. Life isn't perfect and that's okay. And maybe, uh, maybe a good life is different from what you're trying to make it look like. You know, maybe it's messy and dirty and includes Spider-Man busting in on your presentation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one thing that, you know, we've talked about a little bit too, is that, you know, whenever you are mid to senior in career, as, as Laura mentioned, a lot of times you're working with a team. And so one, I know for me, something that I've taken into that is I really think it's important to be authentic with my teams, like to be okay being vulnerable, okay being authentic. It's okay to set limits. It's okay to block your calendar when you need to. There's no need to feel embarrassed that you can't be in two places at once. That's real. And honestly, everyone on your team is probably dealing with the same thing. And it's, wouldn't it be better if we're all just honest about that and kind and empathetic, you know, and honestly with anyone who's a single parent or a divorced parent, there's no second parent to back you up. Like, and that's just the truth. I know, Laura, you've said before, and I would love to hear you say more about this, About this. You know when you don't have a backup, that means you are incredibly focused, diligent, organized, and you get things done quickly because you don't have any other choice,
0: yeah. you're not ex you know, you're not expecting anybody to come in and help you because there is no one to help you and you're not sitting there frustrated if you have someone who was supposed to help you out and they bail for whatever reason. Um, you are just expecting to handle it all and juggle. And I think it just makes it a lot easier in certain ways to get it all done. Is it frustrating at times? Absolutely. Like, do I, did I wish at certain points that I had a co-parent in the house during e-learning to balance so I could take a call at a challenging time when the kids had school and all of those things. Maybe, but then I also, <laughs> I'm glad I got to avoid all of the arguments of whose schedule was more important and trying to, because I know a lot of parents probably went through that of the battle of which meeting is the biggest priority today. And instead it's like, all right, well, I'm working things around what I have. And if the kids missed a call or if things got a little bit off the tracks, or if I'm taking a call and making lunches or whatever, like you just get it done And all of the owner, I think, I think it's just like the ownership and accountability piece. It's all on you. And so when you own that, it just, it just works out better in your brain to be like, all right, these are the things that I am responsible for. And I will get these done. And I'm not relying on anyone else to do it for me. It just works in a different way. I think in all parts, not just in the parenting piece, I think any piece of being, you know, divorced and having kids and managing a household and all of those things, you are the one who is accountable for all of these things happening from buying the groceries, to paying the bills, to cooking the meals, to all of that. And there is no being frustrated with someone else for not pulling their own weight. You just get it done. And that's how it goes.
1: I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty strong employee and the reason is I am so fast. A lot of times when a question goes out to a group, I'm one of the first people to respond mm-hmm. because you do, you have, you have so much to do. You have to get it done quick and you know, put, procrastinating, putting things off is actually not going to serve you. So you get things done. You get your to-do list done very aggressively and quickly and you're prepared, very little wasted time. You know, and well, I think nice. it's really, I think, I think it's really easy to feel like you got the short shortened to the stick or to feel lesser than because the world kind of makes you feel that way like oh there's that mom trying to do it by herself it's so much harder for her it's not true own your Mm -hmm. story I I feel like I I am really devoted and committed at work I love my job I work really hard you know like there's no reason to feel like you're on the bargain bar you know in the bargain aisle
0: back to that idea of um kind of how you manage your time and being more efficient and effective and all of those things if it's your day that you're responsible for your kids, like always in the back of my mind, I'm like, someone might get sick today and I might need to run out and pick them up. So that idea of always having to like, not put things off and manage your time and all of that, because I know that like, I could get a call from the school nurse at any point in time and Wednesday's my day and there is no one else to pick my children up. And so if I put this piece off and I'm not ready for this, then that is when I'm going to get that call. And I'm not going to be prepared for whatever (laughs) (laughs) After it, so it really like motivates, or at least this is how I operate. Yeah, it motivates me to just like handle my stuff and to not be messy because I know that on those days I'm accountable. On like Mondays and Tuesdays, when I don't have my kids, things can go a little bit off the rails, and I know I'm not gonna get that phone call because those are not my days, and I'm not I you know, in theory, unless something happens, I don't need to be kind of on call for my kids in that way, but on my days, it's like I'm prepared for anything, and so you know, balancing out the work piece and the kid piece always has to happen.
1: Well, and you know, just like you said, whatever the worst possible moment is, that's when your kids are going to bust in the room. That's when someone's going to get sick. That's when yep. things are going to go off the rails. So yeah, I, I think that's in the back of a lot of people's minds. Like there is no procrastinating or waiting till the last minute. Cause you know, that will bite you in the butt every yep. time for sure. Try and see. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, like all that to say, I, I think it, it's okay. And I've gotten to a place where I am very comfortable being honest and transparent and vulnerable about what I have going on. A, I think that's a good, I think that's good. That's a good thing to put out there in the workplace. This whole pretending like everything's easy and no problem. Why are we doing that? That's, I mean, I'm not saying being a complaining person all the time, but you can be in the middle and be honest about like, hey, I've got a parent teacher conference today, or my kid's sick. I got to go get them you know, or to even with your kids, I have an important presentation. I'm going to be half hour. You're going to aftercare for a while. And cause I got to do this meeting and that's just how it is. It goes the other way too.
0: Yeah. I used to have a hard time with that as far as like on the work side and feeling a little guilty that I needed to flex my schedule for my kids or like, it, it was harder for me, like again, pre pandemic. And now I see people who don't have kids who are so like flux with their schedule for other things that are important. I'm like, why was I so bad out of shape for this? Because being a parent and having, having children and all like, it's part of who I am. And I think again, yeah, it's part of what probably makes me a a good employee because it's a high level of motivation to do a good job and to keep this, keep this job that I love and be a high performer and all of those things. So like, why am I embarrassed or feeling bad when I have to make the, my kids a priority because they are incredibly important. And I know my work would agree with that and would want me to prioritize in that way. But I always felt really weird about it. And again, I think now that I've taken a step back, I'm like, well, all these other people are taking care of what they need to take care of in their personal life and everything is okay. I can do that too.
1: Yeah. Well, you're making me think too of, I think, well, I'll just speak for myself. I don't think I'm the only person that feels this way. We talked about a little bit about shame. Like, I think there's a part of us that's like, I don't want to seem like that hairy divorced mom Mm -hmm. that always looks not put together. Or isn't doing a great job at work, isn't being a great mom, doesn't have her life together. Like, I, I think there's an inherent insecurity in that. And so it, it kind of pushes you to go overboard and pretending to be perfect. But I don't know. I, I think I've worked really hard to let that go. I'm, that's not who I am. I'm not harried. I am not, you know, things are not falling apart here, but I think you get so worried assuming that the world sees you that way, mm-hmm. that sometimes you overcompensate and it causes a lot of extra stress, That honestly, none of us need any more stress than we already have. So maybe let that go, you know, like who you are is great. You don't need to feel lesser than, or that, you know, you're coming from behind or you're an underdog. It's just a different kind of family. Honestly, There's so many single parents out there, so many divorced parents out there. You're not alone by by a long shot. Mm-hmm. One other thing that we talked about, too, is that, you know, something that I know I've really been on a journey to figure out is that I, I think I had in my mind, even, even though I would have never admitted it, I think to a degree at times I fell, I fell prey to the idea of like what an awesome career looks like what an awesome mom looks like. And it was a very finite, prescriptive idea. And I think <laughs> in my 40s, I finally gotten to a point where I feel comfortable saying, this is what I think. This is the kind of job and career and impact I want to make. This is the kind of mom I want to be. And I think really owning you know, what I think about I what I want my life to look like and not apologizing for that and and maybe it's not the work life balance that other people think I should have but it works for me. I think that's been a big learning journey for me too is really instead of trying to align to an exterior idea of what my life should look like really deciding for myself what I want that to be and not apologizing for it and feeling um and building it in a way that really works for me.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in the kind of the other side where my timing worked out so well that I got the dream job and that has really just supported me in such a valuable way through all of these other life changes. But I still have those feelings of, again, when you go through a lot of significant life changes that your colleagues all see, it can make you feel a little bit more sensitive to what that looks like from, from the outside but already having that safe place to, to land through all this, those transitions, I'm really grateful for, because it kind of is one thing that I really haven't had to think about with all of the other stuff happening around me. Like the the job is the constant and the, the easy piece and the happy space and all of that, which is incredibly helpful. And you kind of had to go through it to, in, in a different direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like i found that now, um, but yeah, I've definitely gone here, there, and everywhere. And I think where I've landed now, I do have that, which mm-hmm. is really, it feels really good. Yeah. And it's just, it's so easy to feel, to feel lesser. Like you're just not as good, you know, and even when it comes to parenting, like, oh no, my kids come from a broken home. I don't believe in that at all. I i think you saw an article once and you actually sent it to me. There was some, of course, I think, I think it was like Congressman or something, of course, said something like even in a bad or violent marriage, you should stick it out for the kids. And you and I are both like, what? No, no, that's the opposite of what you should do. I mean, I know my current broken home is peaceful and happy. And I say that with air quotes, you know, my old one wasn't. And, and I think that really matters. My kids have two parents that are happier, more happier apart than we were together. And I think that's good. That's not a broken home. To me, that's a A healed two part home, you know, like this was absolutely the right choice. It's not lesser than the way we are now is better. It really is.
0: Yeah. I remind my kids all the time, I'm like, you got, two wonderful homes and two parents that love you. And I mean, my kids are also loving like double birthdays, and double Christmases. So they're like pretty happy with how things have shook out most of the time. Um, But like, how great is it? Like, no, it's not sad that you have two different homes. How lucky are you that you have two different, warm, loving homes that are are so great. And you have got two great bedrooms and two, you know, different traditions in each home. There are so many positive and great things that my kids get from it that, yeah, I'm, I know there is a part of them that wish that we were all under one roof. Absolutely. But I think that's mostly just because of logistics, because <laughs> it is easier than having to go back and forth. It's nice just to have one place to stay, but they know that they're into very happy, loving homes. And that is the most important thing.
1: Yeah. You know, women that have intense careers and and I really do feel women get a lot more of this than men do by far. I know, you know, I have some sisters that also have pretty intense careers and they say the same thing, the bad mom trope. You know, I feel like at times I've gotten a lot of flack for caring about my career. Mm-hmm. I love my job. I love what I do. Um, and I've always worked really, really hard, you know, at every job I've ever had. And as I've moved along the ladder, i um, really trying to do better and more impactful work. And that was a, a sore spot with some people at times where I, I was attacked for that you know, you love your job more than your kids. Like I had that said to me more than once. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really don't think anyone ever said that to my ex. (laughs) You know, he had a pretty intense career or has a pretty intense career too. And I I don't think anyone says he's a bad dad for that, but I got it. I for sure got it.
0: Interestingly, it's my children who give me that flag. Um, I have been asked many times by my kids if I love my job more than them, which is so interesting. And I know I don't think they're asking their dad that same question, quite honestly. And I do think they felt that more too before the pandemic when I was commuting and rushing and all of that. And it was, you know, kind of a different feel. But then during the pandemic, it was me balancing of like, oh, I need to work or be on this call and they're home and they're bored and all of that um so it's been really really interesting having those conversations with them but it's also been a big you know a good door opener of like you know i love my job and i love you and this is why my job is important and this is why you're important and it has opened a a lot of conversations around that but yeah in in my life it's only been my children who have have said these things to me i don't know what that means really but
1: My kids, I do have to laugh because my kids, they both have fake laptops. And at times I've caught them pretending to be in meetings like mommy, or if I'm on my phone, they'll say, mommy, are you checking your email? Like they'll ask me questions like that. Mm -hmm. And it is a little bit like a stab in the heart. Like I know they don't mean anything by it, but I think just because of the adults that have said things to me, like it's, it's hard for me to hear. I'll be honest. Like, I don't want to pretend like we've got this all figured out or something, like, it's a constant asking myself, like, am I doing this right? Like, am I failing my kids? Am I fail And I think that's normal. Am I failing, you know, my colleagues at work, my team at work, who I, I don't want them to have to overcompensate for me? Mm-hmm. You know, how are my kids being impacted? You know, I, on an earlier episode of this podcast, we had one about someone named uh, Sean the smoke show who was indeed a smoke show, but he also was very spiritual and he actually taught me a few things. And there was a term that he taught me and I'd heard of it before, but he had a lot to say about it. And and I think about it a lot and that's self-compassion, it's Okay. It's okay to mess mm-hmm. up every day. It's, okay, you know, we're all doing our best here, you know, and he kind of, the way he talks to me about it, he's like, sometimes you're going to slip on the banana peel, but what's important is that you have self-compassion and you're, you're continuing to move forward. It's okay to take kind of a, a where you're kind of zigzagging back and forth, but what you can't do is really berate yourself. Like that's not going to help anybody, but have some compassion for yourself and where you're at in your journey.
0: Yeah. For sure, I think that is all—all all of the pieces of this. So, just like being gentle with yourself is so incredibly important, because like you said, nobody has all the answers. We don't have the answers. You're no. constantly figuring it out, and some things work, and some things don't, and that's part of like that process of kind of understanding, uh, and just trying, and being open, and being,
1: and you know, being kind to yourself. Yeah. So that's kind of the emotional background of trying to manage a career that you really care about and trying to be a great parent at the same time, Uh, but getting practical because I think something that is helpful. There are some things that you and I have figured out that have been helpful, other things that maybe didn't work as well, but we've tried it. Um, But we wanted to go ahead and talk about some of those things. Like, for example, time management is huge. It is Mm -hmm. huge, um, you know, keeping yourself so organized. I know for me, my biggest thing that I've come to understand are boundaries. I actually have principles around my decision making, like, I work late on the days where I don't have kids so that I can be there with my kids to pick them up from aftercare. They go to aftercare, (laughs) but I get to spend those three hours between me picking them up from aftercare until they go to bed with them. I'm not on emails. I decline meetings. And that's kind of the balance that I've come to is I have made decisions about what kind of things I'll say yes yes to, what kinds of things I'll say no to. And what I have found, I was scared when I started doing that at first. What I have found is it actually was not that big an issue. It really wasn't. It's really okay to move that meeting to tomorrow. It's okay to decline a meeting. It's okay to send your kids to aftercare. You know, I know at work with the way I put it is I just say, well, I'm not available at this time. Is it possible to do it, you know, tomorrow? You know, and I do whatever I can to make that possible and easy for my team.
0: Yeah. I kind of go through in, in big blocks of like one to two months at a time. I just went through another chunk of this and I just put all of those, those blocks on my calendar when I'm doing drop off and pickup because those fall into, um, work hours because I don't do before and after care right now. And so I'm beholden to the school schedule. And so I just go through and put all of my blocks in so that meetings don't get scheduled during those times, And, um, yeah, if I need to decline something, if something comes up, then I have no qualms about doing that because any, almost anything can be moved at least in, in my work life, there is nothing that is that urgent or that much of an emergency that can't be adjusted. And anything that is super important will fall within the, the blocks of time that I am free. So I just try and be really diligent about getting my calendar and keeping it up to date as much as possible so that I hopefully don't have to have any of those conversations um, of not being available because I have taken the time to do it. And it's super redundant and boring to get it up there <laughs> once it's in there then you um, know your schedule. And yeah, like you said, the the days I don't have my kids and I don't have pickups, then I can work a little bit later if needed. And my time doesn't get impacted as much. And that's super helpful. So it's just kind of
1: flexing either way, depending on what's going on. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is something I learned from an old boss of mine, actually, who she had a, she was a a VP and she had a pretty intense, career and she was also, she was a really devoted mom as well. And she actually taught me something that changed the way I thought, you know, in the past, I used to think it was weird to hire someone to mow my lawn or hire someone to Mm -hmm. shop for my groceries or hire someone to clean my house. I was like, why would I do that? I can do that myself. That seems like such a bougie thing to do. Why would I do that? And she was like, no, 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 no. She said, if it's something that doesn't have to be you, You know, like, do you really have to be the one to go spend hours shopping for groceries? Does that really have to be you? So the thing you need to think about is if you can free up that time that doesn't have to be you, that means that you can spend your hours with your kids or doing things that have to be you and that really like changed. So now I like, yeah, I get my groceries delivered. There's a lot of things, you know, I, my idea now is I outsource as much as I can afford and make sense so that I can really prioritize spending time with my kids, taking them to activities, doing my work. Those are the things that have to be me.
0: Yeah. I'm super pro outsourcing. If it makes sense, if you can do it, I mean, lawn care is the top of my list of, (laughs) and then this year was also snow removal. Like, do I want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and shovel my driveway to take my kids to school? Or do I want to pay somebody to do that? I a hundred percent want to pay somebody to do that. That is not worth the time it will take me to do when I can pay a service and stimulate the economy in that way. And I am okay with those choices and yeah, if my work schedule gets crazy and I don't have time to run out to the grocery store, then I am totally down with ordering my groceries and having them dropped off. And it is just so much easier. And it's so nice that we can accessibly have make these things happen so that you're not driving, dragging a bunch of hungry grouchy kids to the grocery store because you didn't have time to go, which is my nightmare. So <laughs> uh, being just being okay with, all right, I'm going to pay a delivery fee and that's fine is a, a great way to live your life, quite honestly.
1: Yeah. So what do you think about, so when it comes to our, our careers and our roles at work, you know, what do you, what do you have to say about thinking about your company's leadership and their messaging and the way that you're coming to your job every day?
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that um, tells us, and I would say almost every all staff meeting from top-down leadership of, um, you know, family first, work second, take care of what you need to take care of with your family. Your job will be here. As long as you're getting your work done and you're you're meeting what you need to meet, then there is no question about, again, like what I need to do as far as flexing my schedule for drop-offs and pickups and half days of school and you know sick kids, although the pandemic has made that easier because I don't have to like call off on a sick day. I just have kids home watching TV and I was already working from home. So that's made it easier, but um, there definitely is no no guilt around managing you know i've had to overcome my issues of feeling guilty or bad about needing to rearrange things but that's not because of my you know the the leadership and what's being shared we are told to take care of our family first because that is so important and they want employees who feel balanced and feel invested in and that our lives are important. We're people, we're not, you know, and that's how I like to lead my team as well. It's nice as a manager to also have that messaging. So I have people on my team now that have kids, which wasn't a case a couple of years ago. And to be able to say, yeah, take your baby to the doctor or take the time you need or take that longer paternity leave, because that's amazing. And I want to support you in that is, is really a wonderful thing to be able to pass down as well as a manager and to be a part of that culture. Like it really is just a wonderful culture piece for us. That seems to ring true. It's not just, um, you know, something that's said and not done. I see our senior
1: leadership live and work in that way. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this too. I believe in, um, human first leadership, like, mm-hmm. cause the reality is almost everyone wants to do a good job at work. Everyone wants to know their work matters. Everyone wants to make a, a good, strong impact at work. That's first and foremost. Like we don't need to live in this world. Like there's such an old mindset of like the taskmaster. You need to do this, that, and the other, like there's a degree of you need to trust your teams. We all want to do a good job and really trusting people to get things done and prioritize. Well, like they, like they will, like you don't need to micromanage in that way. I know I've been on, you know, I've, I've had jobs in the past where I really felt sacrificed on the altar of the company. You know, like I literally had 11 PM meetings or I was covering and doing the jobs of three different people. And when I raised an issue, it, like somehow it was still my fault, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and like, and, Funnily where I am now, it's not like that at all. Like we, we have normal work hours. It is a balanced life. I would say we are resourced properly. And you know what? We still, we have a heavy workload, but it's all getting done in a very appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Um, like it is possible actually to have a respectful human first environment. And I think part of that is choosing a company that supports that. But then also, again, we're all in mid to senior roles in our careers. We need to put that out there. Yeah. You know, like we need to model that. We need to encourage that with our teams. You need to stay home because you're saying, please do not like it is normal. Now you have COVID. Why are you at work? Go to bed. <laughs> like that's normal. now. It's like, Oh, I have COVID go to bed. You don't need to be here your kid's doing a play in the middle of the day, go to it, you know, and that, that shouldn't have give anybody any stress. People should be able to manage their lives the way they need to. They'll get their work done. It's so, I really feel like that's the company of the future. Like that old idea of being chained to your desk and, and just like sacrificing your life for your job. is such an old way of thinking.
0: Well, you think about the show Mad Men and like how they worked and the hours that they worked and it was you know obviously heavily focused on on men right in leadership roles that was the work environment in the 60s and they never saw their kids and there was no family life and there was so much that was dysfunctional and i can't imagine like as a boss if i had people working under me who had young children and i was working them to a degree where they just never got to see their kids yeah. like i would feel terrible about that i love being in the position of of being able to tell people, whether, whether anybody under me has kids or not, like, what do you need to take care of? Do you need to take some time off? You haven't taken PTO in a while. Like, like, I want to make sure that you are getting that time and that you're getting what you need because again, we are all humans and we all need those things. And it's so important to have that balance in your life. And again, especially when you've got kids that are, Demanding so much from you, but also having these milestones that you should be there for because it's only going to happen once.
1: Yeah. Well, and I would really love for all of us to be better at releasing the guilt and owning the power. Like instead of like, oh, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm not doing great at work or I'm not doing great as a mom, according to who, you know, like Mm -hmm. last time I checked, my kids think I'm pretty great. And I, at work, I feel like I'm doing, I mean, I think, I guess. (laughs) I might have to ask my boss, but I think I'm doing a, a, you know, like I love my job. I really enjoy everything I do there. And I think I'm doing a good job there. And, and looking across at my team, they're all doing the same thing. We're all going through the same kind of situation together. And I think it really starts there. People want to do a good job. You know, like there's no need to like, like if you have a company and a team that is forcing people to sacrifice their lives, you know, for the company, maybe your company has some self-reflecting to do Mm -hmm. because they could probably achieve even better results if they took care of their people a little bit better and take care of yourself. Like stop feeling guilty. This is your life. And and actually you're not, you're not screwing it up. You're really not. Okay. So one of the last things we're going to talk about managing your brand, again, air quotes, you know, I think we've all heard it. Like you need to work on your brand at work. First of all, I hate that phrase. I hate it. It's a pretty common corporate phrase. I don't know. Do they talk, Laura, you work in nonprofit world. Do they use that phrase over there? No. Oh, interesting. <laughs> all right. So it's just me. So I work in, cor- in you know, more corporate environments, but, and I work in branding. So maybe that's why, but yeah, you hear that a lot. Like in terms of personal reviews, like you need to work on your brand or your brand is this, your brand is shifting there. First of all, a brand is a persona that is created by a company to describe their culture and their mission. I don't like it when the word brand is used to describe an actual human, like, you know, manipulating who you are. I think that goes against transparency and vulnerability and being honest. Like, I just, I don't like it. I really don't. Um, I think we often, I think that creates more stress because we often feel some harried and stressed and we don't feel good about showing up that way. So then we think about like, okay, how can I pretend everything is good? How can I manage my own brand? But I don't think that serves us to be faking it that way.
0: Yeah. I think I've definitely learned again, like we've talked about just not needing to have, you know, to, to look or be a certain way and kind of letting people into more of what's happening in my life that's okay. When I had three kids home with COVID, and I was worried, like, it was okay to talk about to start a meeting. Talking about, like, oh my gosh, things are crazy, and I've got three kids back home, and this is happening, and whatever. Those are things I probably would have just shielded before, and you know, not let people know what was actually happening because of how the perception might be. And now it's just like, well, this is the reality, and like we've said, this is the reality that so many people are in that whether or not they're divorced i think that's like the big differentiator because i feel like if you are are in a relationship and you have kids you don't feel like there's that stigma and so i feel like those people are more likely to bring these things up casually and feel fine about it and when you're divorced and you do feel like there are more eyes on you, that's when you kind of become a little bit more careful or secretive about certain things because you don't want to give off this impression that you, again you don't have it together or you're somebody to be pitied. Or that's what I, you know, felt a lot at the beginning. Like I don't want your pity. I don't want people to feel bad for me because of whatever's happening in my personal life. So you yeah. tend to just start hiding it. And whatever is going on, but again, if you're in a relationship and a traditional situation, you've got kids and all that. I don't think you're you're not spending that time focused on these things in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're really hitting on something that I think is at the crux of so many of these behaviors, which is, and we've talked about this before divorce causes such a major like atom bomb to your self-esteem and your sense of self-worth. Cause again, someone spent a whole lot of money to not be married to you, Mm -hmm. you know? So how can you not feel kind of bad about yourself? Um, but I think that's really like, and funnily, I don't know that that's even true. Like, it's a lot of it. This is self-induced. Like, I don't yes. know that it's true that other people think I'm not as good as they are. Like, I don't think that's actually true. I think no that's no one's my keeping own. score in that way. <laughs> it's all in our it's all in our heads, pretty much. <laughs> so all to say, we're all being real dumb. But I think that really drives a lot of our decisions, like, you know, making your life even harder because you don't want anyone to know you're you're maybe mm-hmm. having a hard time. Like, God forbid anyone know that I'm I'm really tired and there's a lot going on over here. And I feel like I need to pretend like everything's perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, that's all self-induced. And maybe we need to cool it on that yeah. front. <laughs> no one's paying that <laughs> close of attention. Like, <laughs> it's like at the gym whenever people say, you know, actually, no one's looking at you. Yeah. Cool it. All right.
0: Everyone cares so much about themselves in a certain way that no, they are absolutely not keeping score on you in in that fashion at all.
1: Yeah. Nobody, like, I think if you were to mention to someone else, they'd be like, you are a lunatic. Like (laughs) that's bonkers. No. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we do to close this out, we do have top 10. This is so funny, but like, we want to actually have some practical help here. Top 10 divorced or single parent career tips, things we figured out. You can just like go back and forth um one create principles to help you make decisions about how you will spend your time and then create those boundaries accordingly
0: number two set yourself up for success teach your kids where you know to find their self-serve snacks block out the time you need for lunch and pick up and all that good stuff and I will say I am a strong proponent of teaching
1: your kids to make themselves some basic meals it will save you a lot of time and stress I need to do that. I love because Laura has, she has like snack kits and things and her kids are very self-serving uh, in that way. And I need to teach my kids how to do that because I think my <laughs> life needs some improvement in that area. Number three, you actually don't have to respond. Like it's so easy to be like, oh, I've got, I've got to respond to that email and that Slack immediately the second I see it. Some of those uh, emails and slacks are stressful. And so I think you actually will be better served by taking a breath and respond when you feel calm. If you don't feel calm, don't do anything until you do, because you're going to send that energy across the internet.
0: Number four, delegate appropriately. And that doesn't mean just push off work. It means don't overcompensate by taking on more than you should know your limits, Know know how to have
1: balance and stick to that. Yeah. Uh, Number five, choose the career and parenting style you think is best. What other people think of you is none of your business. I will say that's a saying that kind of changed my life in a lot of ways. There are plenty of people out there who think I'm amazing. Plenty of people who think I'm garbage, you know, and really that's none of my business, what they think of me. What matters is what I think of me, what my kids think of me, what my team thinks of me. That matters. But if other, you know, other people have issues, what you really need to think about is how you want to approach your life. And what does that look like?
0: Number six, give yourself self-compassion and grace. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and try not to beat yourself up. Probably one of the hardest things on this list, I feel like,
1: because we were always the hardest on ourselves, but so important. Yeah. And I, that is like probably the lesson of a lifetime, especially when you're trying to do so well everywhere. And the reality is you're not going to, you're going to fail. You're going to, that's part of life. And, you know, being kind to yourself the way maybe someone else would be is a really vital life skill, I think. Number seven, be as honest as you can with your supervisor about where and how you are struggling with work-life balance. It's not a sign of weakness to be honest. And if you have a good boss, a good supervisor, a good team, we're all going to figure it out together.
0: Number eight, share your goals and successes with your children in an age-appropriate way. This will teach them that having a love for your career is achievable and valuable And this is something as my kids are getting a little bit older, we talk about my job all the time. I have recently learned that they think I'm a doctor because I work for a hospital. So that's (laughs) been an interesting journey. Um, So valuable that we talk about my job. Um, But I think again, like being able to talk about the things that I love about what I do, even though I have a job that my kids don't actually understand because it's too complicated for them to get right now at their ages is still really hot. Like you have to talk about it. There is no like take your children to work day anymore because we're not going anywhere. And, um, you know, I remember going into my dad's office and how exciting it was to go where he worked. And, that's not a thing anymore uh, since our work is tied to our laptops. So it's so important to have those conversations. So your kids have a better context for what you're doing all day.
1: Well, and what good like role modeling that is for your kids, for them to see things that you really care about that are for you. They see you care about your job. They see you care about taking care of other people in yourself and even like workouts. Like our kids see mm-hmm. you and I, you and I work out pretty much every day and our kids see it. You know, and I think that's such a good lesson for them, for themselves, as they become adults, there are things you care about. And just because you're a parent doesn't mean you stop doing things for yourself.
0: One of the big eye openers for my oldest daughter, when she was maybe five or six, five, was that I had a boss and I had someone (laughs) who told me what to do. She was obsessed with this boss and wanted to talk about her every morning at breakfast. But it was like this light bulb of like, there was something else in my, you know, I had somebody over me and uh, like, it, and now that they know they have people that report to me and what does, what's that like? Oh, I'm somebody's boss. And they're really interesting conversations to help them understand how you fit in the world outside <laughs> of how you fit at home. Um, yeah, very enlightening. <laughs>
1: that probably blew their mind. You're not in charge in every situation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my boss hated it because I'd always tell her we talked about her at breakfast. So it was an interesting <laughs> conversation, um, but it was true over like, Oh, your name came up again over breakfast. And we had to talk about you and look at your picture. Like, but for a five-year-old, I mean, again, it was just this huge eye-opener of like, wait, what? Like, you're going somewhere and someone is telling you because their dad works for himself. And so he's his boss. And so they didn't have that context there. And so with me, it was just like this big eye opener of like, oh, like that's so, you know, so interesting. So,
1: I'm sure our kids would love to contribute to our performance reviews.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think mine would rate me very highly. So
1: <laughs> no, I would, my kids have a lot of opinions. Um, number nine, if you are able, build in downtime for yourself, take a day off. Like I used to be proud when I worked in television that I like, I didn't take a sick day. I'm not kidding for at least eight years. Oh God. I'm not kidding. Like people just came to work sick. That was just how it was like, oh, you know, Heather's over there sneezing up a storm. Obviously now nobody would do that, but, (laughs) but, you know, I, and I used to be proud of that, which, wow, how ridiculous is that? Take a day off. It's okay to take a day off, you know, and, and do it on a day when you don't have kids. Go see a movie, go like have lunch, go see friends, sleep in. It's okay to do that.
0: I loved it when my kids were still in daycare and I would have like the, you know, Martin Luther King day or kind of some of those, those Mondays off from work and be like, all right, dropping you off. And like, this is my day to myself to do whatever I want to do and be super lazy. And I loved it. And I had really little kids. So that, that was gold. Like I needed those days. I needed those days more than I needed to have them home with me, quite honestly. And it's important to just like, let yourself do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's okay to enjoy life actually at times.
0: (laughs) Number 10. Do not feel guilty about using resources like before and after school care if you need that time to meet work demands. And this is something that I need to work on because I do tend to have that guilt around that and like my kids not wanting to go. But there's a certain point where maybe we do all need like, full work days. And that's really helpful and important. So it's, it's okay if you can do it to use those resources or on occasion, if you know that, you know, you need it every once in a while to have that support system set up is so helpful.
1: Yeah. I mean, the way I think about it is that I could either work on this presentation while trying to also talk to my kids and be, you know, and I'm not really there with my kids and it takes three times as long to do my presentation. It's probably not even going to be as good as if I would just like let my kids be in aftercare for an extra half hour while I really concentrate on this presentation. Then when I go pick up the kids, I can actually be present with them. It's better to do it that way. So it's okay to do that. All right. We covered a lot of ground today. A lot. Yeah. It's always, I mean, it's always going to be hard. This is never going to be something that's like, oh, we've got it all figured out. It's all working smoothly and easily. And that's not true. But I think a big part of this is, I don't know, like letting go of some of the guilt. You're you're doing pretty well and the stuff is hard and that's okay. But there are things that you can empower yourself to make better choices so that your life is easier.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, across the board, like in so many different aspects no one needs you to be super mom and that includes with your career and how you function in that way like no one needs you to be superhuman that's that it's it's not going to be sustainable and you're not going to be happy trying to meet to be at that level on all different facets of your life like be real yeah fail sometimes you know again the outsourcing and then getting the support system and all of those pieces are also important to have that like balance in your life
1: yeah there's no award for being a martyr so if you can like have a better life that you actually enjoy that there's like this whole idea of like let's be as busy as we have to be let's be so stressed out life is so hard if you can make it easier you should i mean honestly (laughs) like why are we making things so hard on ourselves? all right well thanks everybody I'll talk okay. to you next week Hey.
0: still thirsty don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram and all your favorite podcasting platforms because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more